Hey, this is Double J, Jeff Jarrett, WWE Hall of Famer, and you're listening to the My One Two Three Cents Podcast. It's my personality to be jittery. It's part of my charm. Wrestling fans, are you ready? It's time for my one, two, three cents of the podcast on the Jittery Monkey Podcasting Network. Give me a hell yeah! Now, here's your host. The man is also a very long, dear, personal friend of mine. Does the guy have a name? Yes, he has a name. Kevin Huntsberger. Woo! If you've dreamed of becoming a professional wrestler, it's time to make that dream a reality. The Stride Pro Wrestling Training Academy is now enrolling new students. Classes meet on Tuesdays and Thursday nights from 6 to 8 p.m. for just $60 per month. Be sure to check out the Stride Pro Wrestling Facebook page at facebook.com slash stridepro-wrestling and get enrolled now. Hey friends, welcome to episode 405 of the My One Two Three Cents podcast and the very first pool cast. Uh, it is a beautiful August evening, and since I am doing a wrestling under the influence, I thought, why not uh, enjoy it outside? So uh, you will probably hear the neighbor in the distance mowing his lawn, other neighbors may be coming and going down the street. Uh, my grand dog, with full disclosure, is out here with me as well, and if he uh, loses his ball or starts to whine and whimper, you'll hear that as well. You may hear him jump into the pool from time to time as well, but... And you just heard me rake the chair across the uh, sidewalk or the cement here. But, uh, you know, summer is winding down and I wanted to do at least one pool cast and just see how it goes. But uh, uh, since I am doing wrestling under the influence in just a little bit, I thought, you know, again, a great night, a great evening in southern Illinois to do just that. Um, I am... Uh, Also going to remind you, this is episode 405. That means we are 15 weeks away from episode 420. And once again, my pitch, my plea, my uh, call for Rob Van Dam, RVD himself, uh, to be a guest on the My One Two Three Cents podcast. I think it just makes sense. Hopefully, the WWE Hall of Famer and I will uh, have that opportunity. If you happen to be listening to this and know a way to get a hold of Rob Van Dam, other than the traditional ways of uh, trying to get attention on Twitter or other forms of social media, let me know uh, because I am very sincere in this. I'm not trying to do this. Uh, you know, obviously, it fits in nicely, and I'm not going to be uh, over the top or silly or goofy with it in any way. I am legitimately wanting to talk to RVD and and. Uh, about not just his life in the ring, but what he's doing nowadays and uh, some of the work that he's doing. So uh, again, this is uh, a a legitimate uh, call to action, so to speak. Uh, Another call to action, the Stride Pro Wrestling and My One Two Three Cents Action Figure Drive, which uh, I picked up a few um, basics from Ollie's Outlet. If you've never heard of that, uh, they are outlet stores that are popping up uh, this one happens to be in West Frankfort, Illinois, about 20 minutes from where I live. I drove up there on Saturday afternoon to see. I've, I've heard that they've got a various, they've got supposedly some stores have like AEW figures that are 
uh, marked down pretty cheap as well. The the elites they had some elites there as well. I picked up a few basics. They were six ninety nine a piece, so uh, hard to pass that up. I got a Sheamus, a Bianca Belair, and a uh, I believe it was Seth Rollins was the third one that I got. So just be thinking about that as Christmas, the holidays get near, uh, you know, episode 420 of the podcast is coming. That's right before Christmas and probably will happen right around the time that the toy drive is uh, ending. So uh, if you do happen to pick up an extra action figure or two, send them my way. Let me know. I can meet you somewhere and pick them up. You can bring them to a Stride Pro Wrestling show, which the next Stride Pro Wrestling event is coming up on Saturday, September 10th. It is the Rumble. It is at the Sioux Drive Center in Marion. Illinois. Be sure to check it out. Tickets just $10 a piece. It's going to be a great night of wrestling action and as the title implies, a rumble. Several stars from Stride's roster plus guest stars from the past will be making their appearances once again in a Stride Pro Wrestling ring. It's going to be a fun night of pro wrestling action. Check out all the podcasts here on the Jittery Monkey Podcasting Network including Greg and Chad's Power Half Hour, Nerd United, course you're listening to my one two three cents as we speak and i encourage you to check out thighhuggers.com or collar and elbow brand uh go to those websites and use promo code my one two three cents when you check out and you save uh, a little bit on your order or you can go to prowrestlingtees.com slash my one two three cents and pick from a couple of different my one two three cents and stride pro wrestling shirt designs that is enough shilling for the week Let's get into the uh, episode here. And of course, um, I did a, a wrestling under the influence uh, last week on TikTok. So the, the weird thing with wrestling under the influence, I've kind of done different incarnations with it. I did it as part of the podcast, as a regular part of the podcast. I did it as, uh, you know, YouTube videos, several different YouTube videos, trying to keep the videos short and sweet. Podcasts you can go a little longer and, and dive a little bit deeper into, but uh, you know, retaining that attention in video format, trying to keep those quick and, you know, doing them on TikTok. They're very, very quick. So uh, check out my TikTok. It's at Kevin underscore Huntsperger. Um, and let's connect on uh, TikTok as well. I put out, I try to put out fresh and different content. Most of it is wrestling related, but I do put some old new stuff up there and some other things that I am doing uh, in my life these days. Uh, a lot of videos of my dogs and, uh, you know, the fun that we have as well. So, uh, again, Kevin underscore Huntsperger is TikTok and Instagram for that matter. And I like to make reels as well. And the my one, two, three cents, I ended up doing a reel on the my one, two, three cents um, Instagram page as well. So check that out. It's uh, at my one, two, three cents. So I am drinking a friend of mine. Um, he and his wife, uh, they're actually both my friend, but, um, they went to uh, ebb and flow, uh, brewery in our ebb and flow fermentation, uh, in Cape Girardeau, Missouri, which is about an hour from here. It's where I went to college, uh, Cape championship wrestling. I've talked about Cape Girardeau several times in the past, but, um, they have, uh, you know, like I said, this ebb and flow fermentations. I have not been there yet, but my friend picked me up, uh, four different cans. Um, the, the episode I did last week on TikTok that I mentioned, um, was one of those cans. This one is called tea house morning ceremony. It's a sour blonde ale finished on local white peaches, ginger, and oolong tea. Uh, it's a six 
8% alcohol by volume, and it is a uh, one-pint can. This is batch number one, can 43, so I'm excited to try this. Uh, I do like sour beers, as I've talked about before, and, you know, kind of, I, I, you know, there were different ways to go, and, and, you know, like I said, this is called Tea House Morning Ceremony. I wasn't really vibing on any wrestler's of that ilk so ooh, it's got a very very nice pour and a very strong aroma of those white peaches so uh this is a very and you'll see the picture of it as well but this is a very uh it is a little cloudy um to be honest with you but it is a very bright uh orangish yellowish uh, hue to it and again man those peaches smell amazing i cannot wait to check those out and see how this one is. And it pours very nicely. Oh, wow. It does live up to that sour ale. The spices, you know, the ginger and the oolong tea, it's not, it, those aren't overwhelming. I'm definitely picking up some of the peach vibe. And I'm definitely getting the sour. And, you know, again, as someone who enjoys a sour beer, um, I'm obviously, it'll definitely make you pucker. Um, but again, this is great. Um, spoiler alert, I'll go ahead and give this a three count as we dive in, as the dog dives into the pool here as well. And talk about, you know, I, like I said, I, I kind of debated and, and, you know, who am I going to circle back to this beer with and to me it, it made sense to go since it's a sour blonde to go with the hollywood blondes now obviously the most famous or probably the most notable incarnation that we as wrestling fans know uh, to this day stunning steve austin and flying brian pillman the hollywood blondes and I will get to them in, in just a minute. There are other, you know, some may think that that was the, the first incarnation of this team. It was not. There were several, actually, incarnations. Uh, the original being Buddy Roberts and Jerry Brown. Now, Buddy Roberts, of course, ended up being part of the Fabulous Freebirds with Michael Hayes and uh, uh, Terry Gordy. This was after, obviously, his stint uh, as the Hollywood Blondes, though, uh, in the 70s. And I don't remember that team at all. I remember reading about them, but I don't, I, and I don't know anything about Jerry Brown. So uh, the, the version of the Hollywood Blondes that I remember that were part of Jim Crockett Promotions were Rip Rogers, or was Rip Rogers and Ted Oates. Um, you know, they wrestled. Uh, I feel like they probably popped up, you know, on, on WCW or, you know, on, on Saturday night and, uh, you know, the other Jim Crockett promotions uh, programming and part of maybe part of the Crockett Cup tournament. I don't remember them that well, but I do remember the name. So when it did come back um, in the early 90s in WCW um, with Brian Pillman and... Uh, uh, Steve Austin, stunning Steve Austin, of course. Now, uh, according to Wikipedia, and I am, I'm not going to sit here and read the Wikipedia page to you, but the team formed in uh, January of 93, and they had disbanded by October of that year. I felt like they were together longer than that, but I guess it was a pretty quick run for the Hollywood Blondes. I, you know, Flying Brian Pillman was one of those guys that, you know, when I was 
you know, he really came to prominence in WCW in, in like, I would say 88, 89 is when I really remember him kind of becoming a big part. I remember reading about Pillman in the after magazines uh, when he was in Stampede Wrestling. And then, you know, he came into WCW. I remember his feud with Lex Luger over the United States Championship. I liked Brian Pillman from the get-go. You know, he was a s- smaller in and in, in when you compare him to, you know, the Sid Viciouses and the uh, Lex Lugers of the world. But he, you know, could really move and was a good wrestler. I really enjoyed uh, the whole energy, the whole vibe that Brian Pillman brought to the ring. You know, he was uh, very competitive and was, you know, one of those, you know, I would say upper mid-card baby faces. He was a good guy. You know, you liked to cheer for him. You enjoyed uh, seeing him in the ring, getting those opportunities, getting those shots um, at championship gold. And he had some some success. And of course, his uh, matches with uh, Jushin Thunder Liger back, gosh, probably in 1991, 92 uh, at Super Brawl. And, you know, he was that perennial good guy, that baby face that I didn't think turning him heel would work, but it really did. I think put, pairing him with stunning Steve Austin was a stroke of genius. Um, and these two made a great duo. And, you know, Steve Austin, I remember reading about him first, of course, in uh, the after mags when he was part of, um, I don't know if it was still world class or not, or if it had already switched over to USWA, but he and Chris Adams feuding with, uh, you know, Chris's ex-wife and soon to become uh, Austin's wife, Lady Blossom. Um, and just kind of, that's where I got my first introduction to him. And by then, by that point, I think the programming was probably in syndication and, and airing on ESPN in the afternoons after school that I would probably watch a little bit of it. But it really wasn't until 91 when Austin went to WCW and became the TV champion that I really uh, took notice of him. And, you know, and of course, uh, like I said, that pairing with Pillman. And this is all on the heels of the Dangerous Alliance, which I thought was a very underrated and I think a lot of fans probably fall into this category where where the dangerous alliance is one of those underrated stables um probably the most underrated stable in in the history of wrestling I don't know um but I think that's in large part due to Steve Austin he was the young stud in that group you know you had established ravishing Rick Rude you had established Arn Anderson you had established Larry Zabisco you had established beautiful Bobby Eaton and then managed, of course, by Paul Dangerously and Medusa. And then, you know, you have this, this Steve Austin, uh, you know, star on the rise that was a part of it. And, you know, for whatever reasons, things didn't click uh, with the Dangerous Alliance. I don't know why that faction did not stay together longer. But like I said, the Hollywood Blondes became a, a, a quick uh, in and out kind of memory as well. It didn't even last an entire year. Um, but I do remember, you know, these two uh, teaming up and, and cutting some promos together, Austin and Pillman, that is, and, you know, getting in there and uh, winning the championships and their uh, mockery, I guess, if you will, of Ric Flair and Arn Anderson 
calling them old. Uh, you know, this was right after Flair had returned to WCW from the WWF from his run there. And just kind of the, you know, the younger guys kind of automatically, I guess, by default, making Flair and, and Arn and, and the Horsemen babies. And uh, I believe it was a clash of the champions where um, Pillman was hurt and Steven, Lord Steven Regal filled in for him. And I believe that's the night that the Blondes, even though they weren't the Blondes that night, dropped the tag team titles to Paul Roma and Arn Anderson. But, you know, I liked the way the Hollywood Blondes I feel like the 80s was a boom for tag team wrestling. It was a great period. You had the Road Warriors. You had Demolition. You had the Hart Foundation, the British Bulldogs, the Midnight Express, the Rock and Roll Express, um, Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard, the Brain Busters, uh, the Killer Bees, you, you know, both companies. You know, the Steiners came in, in in the late 80s. Doom, you had great established tag teams they weren't these paired off single stars um and i feel like the 90s that's what tag team wrestling kind of became or at least became more of and and it wasn't as uh robust and definitely today it's not anywhere near it i know aew does a a much better job i think with with tag team uh wrestling than than wwe does i'll give them that that point there but um you know, with, with Pillman and Austin, even though they were two singles guys and they were paired together, I feel like they uh, became a cohesive unit and they, they, you know, really worked well together. And, you know, the, the mocking of, again, the horsemen and, you know, getting the matching gear. And, and, and of course, this is still before Steve Austin becomes stunning and, and you know, I don't know if there was something that was kind of holding Austin back in those days that kind of prevented him from letting more of his personality shine through. Um, I don't feel like he was obviously doing all that he could do at that time. And maybe, maybe there were restrictions still being in place. Maybe, you know, he's still only four or five years into the business at that point. He's still kind of getting his footing and, and figuring things out. And, you know, again, Pillman, I thought, did such a wonderful job as the bad guy. I never thought, you know, that that late 80s flying Brian with the Bengals tights and, uh, you know, the the smile and, and, you know, that long curly hair. I never thought that that would be someone that fans would would love to hate. And, you know, it really kind of even grew from there as then of course the Hollywood blondes break off and and do their own thing and and Pillman goes into his feud or you know Pillman goes on to become a horseman um Austin of course ends up leaving getting fired from the company after a, a kind of a okay run as a single star winning the United States championship but dropping it to Hacksaw Jim Duggan in like 30 seconds or something not that there's anything wrong with that but not something you want to see for a guy who's on the rise and, and who I think some folks thought might have become WCW heavyweight champion. But I think that these kinds of things all kind of happen and fall into place for a reason. And, you know, Austin, of course, jumps to ECW and then, of course, goes to the WWE. 
gets that silly ringmaster gimmick going on, but uh, eventually breaks free of that, becomes Stone Cold Steve Austin, and then that fateful night in 1996 cuts the the Austin 316 promo. And again, it, wrestling is so weird in all the what if this didn't happen, then this wouldn't have happened scenarios. And you know, I mean, I think you could almost pin it back to if Hulk Hogan hadn't gone to WCW. Would we have seen the influx of guys like Jim Duggan and the Nasty Boys and Brutus Beefcake and all of those guys coming in as well that Austin wouldn't have, you know, maybe lost some of the the steps on the ladder? Because in 91, 92, you know, when he was the TV champion and, you know, he was beating beautiful Bobby Eaton for the championship and, and wrestling guys like Barry Windham and Ricky Steamboat and having hellacious, awesome matches you know, this guy was just full of so much potential. And then, you know, and again, I'm not blaming Hulk Hogan or his influence or his friends coming in for any of that, but had, had that not happened, would Austin have stayed and and become WCW heavyweight champion instead of having to leave and go to the WWF and, and win uh, the championship there as stone cold Steve Austin. And and here's something else as I'm sitting here kind of rambling on about Steve Austin and and Brian Pillman and, and, you know, the stunning Steve Austin character. Obviously, it worked so well uh, in those early days because he had that long blonde hair. And then, of course, it started thinning and and whatnot and obviously had to pivot and and become stone cold and, and shave the head bald and whatnot. But I feel like one of the more interesting things, too, with Steve Austin, um, I, and, and maybe, you know, and I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast before or not, but uh, since we're talking about the Hollywood Blonde version of Steve Austin, I often wonder had, you know, when they insisted on turning him heel back in 2001 uh, during the invasion angle, would it have made more sense? Would he have gotten more heat and been, uh, you know, fans hated him more had he and maybe he couldn't grow his hair out so that's why he didn't do it but had he start growing growing his hair again and reverting back to stunning Steve Austin um because I feel like and and this is a whole nother tangent and a whole nother podcast but the whole invasion angle and you know Shane McMahon and Kurt Angle and and Steve Austin all being part of Team WCW to me didn't make sense but I could have bought Austin being part of Team WCW had he embraced that character that he was back in the WCW days and I get that you know obviously Austin 316 and the Austin merch was uh, selling like gangbusters still even in 2001 even when they tried to turn him so I get where that probably wouldn't have worked uh, of course, Brian Pillman, um, you know, he ends up coming over to the WWE as well. Uh, they kind of intersect a little bit, Austin and Pillman do, but nothing, you know, obviously, the, and I keep, I, I realize people are probably listening to this and saying he says obviously a lot, and I, I, I am noticing it, and I apologize for that, but, um, you know, the whole uh, Pillman's got a gun angle that went on, and, and they kind of, uh, I, I believe they kind of uh, recognized and, and acknowledged the history between Pillman and Austin during those segments or during that segment. I guess it was a series of segments on on the episode of Monday Night Raw. Um, but yeah, I, you know, they never 
other than then the uh, Hart Foundation feud with uh, Austin and, and his team at uh, Canadian Stampede, which was 25 years ago this summer, you know, there was not a whole lot of other st- stuff going on between Austin and, and Pillman. And unfortunately, we lost Pillman then just a couple of months later uh, in October of 1997, coming up on the 25-year anniversary of that. And I am working on uh, planning on something for that uh, anniversary coming up as well. So we'll talk more about that in October. But, you know, again, that 1993 run, it was short and sweet. Uh, it was effective to me, you know, Fans are still talking about it almost 25 years later, the Hollywood Blondes, what could have been, what should have been. Um, but I, I think that, you know, Pillman and Austin were, were holding up a, a tag team division that at, at that time was uh, kind of uh, meandering and kind of, uh, you know, flailing. Um, and, it, you know, WCW did really ramp things up and, and, and improved things. Obviously, you know, at this time, the Steiners were in WWE, so they weren't a part of, of the whole uh, Hollywood Blondes resurgence or, you know, happening in, in WCW. But, you know, we eventually got the Harlem Heat in there and um, the Outsiders, the Steiners come back. Uh, Road Warriors were in and out from time to time. Um, So, you know, tag team wrestling rebounded a bit for WCW. But again, it was a lot of those, you know, Giant and Sting or Giant and Lex Luger or, you know, those kind of makeshift teams as well, which can prove to become successful if they're, you know, intending to go tag team route. Probably one of the better examples of that would be Billy Gunn and Road Dogg. Uh, you know, the roadie, when they started teaming up, who would have thought that they become the New Age Outlaws and become the successful tandem that they did? But uh, I digress a bit, but I do want to recognize and remember uh, a great tag team in Brian Pillman and Steve Austin. And, and both men, I think, were, uh, you know, in a position in their careers where they maybe needed something a, a little different and new and it worked for them and they both then did go off and, and have successful singles runs uh, within WCW of course Pillman going to the Horsemen, Austin winning the United States Championship and then the superstardom uh, that Austin really hit you know what four or five years after the Hollywood Blondes are no more, Austin is at the top of the WWF and really the biggest star in the world of professional wrestling. Um, so he had a good run. He had a good ride. And, you know, Brian Pillman, of course, life cut way too short. I still often wonder, you know, how things would have gone for him had he not been in that accident that, that crushed his ankle for one. And then, of course, his untimely death. Uh, but sorely missed to this day. Uh, happy to see that his son, Flying Brian Jr., uh, is still a part of wrestling. I think that he and Brock Anderson had a, a pretty good showing at Ric Flair's last match. Um, so maybe those two start a tandem and, and start teaming up. Um, and, and, you know, Brian getting some of the success that their famous fathers had as tag team as well and you know who knows what the future holds for them i hope it is uh, nothing but the best but friends again uh, we're going to give uh, raise a glass to 
the Hollywood Blondes, all incarnations of them, and there were others. I didn't name all of them, but uh, I talked about the ones that I remember and, and specifically watched and, and cheered for. Um, and, of course, Tea House Morning Ceremony uh, from Ebb and Flow Fermentations out of Cape Girardeau, Missouri. Check them out on social media. Thanks for listening. Have a great week, and we will talk again soon. This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. For more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com. Jittery Monkey.